Hello and welcome back. I'm Franny and you're listening to Into the World podcast where we talk about all things birth and motherhood. Each week I speak to a different parent about how their babies came into the world and how the journey unfolded. We share the good, the bad, the ugly and of course the funny bits. Because most of all, when things get tough we all need a laugh. Happy listening. Hi, I'm Franny and you're listening to Into the World podcast. It's a light-hearted conversational podcast about all things birth and motherhood. These coming episodes have been all been recorded while the world is on lockdown. I personally have been in quarantine with my three children and my husband for three weeks now. Um, I'm recording this with a baby on my lap as we speak and two children playing in my kitchen. So if you can hear children in the background or a baby breathing, that's because that's exactly what's going on. Um, You'll have to forgive me for those things. And like most of us, I'm just trying to make do the best I can in this situation. So um, I really hope you're all doing well. um, You're staying safe and um, you're physically and mentally well. My heart really goes out to new mums right now, but particularly women who are giving birth in a pandemic, you are heroes. That's all I have to say on the matter. Um, Rascal and Friends are still our wonderful sponsor. I'm so proud to have them as a sponsor right now and I couldn't be more thankful because without their support, I just wouldn't be able to do this right now. They are currently sending out thousands of packages of diapers to mums in need. They They have teamed up with Fragola, which is a baby food delivery brand to make sure that all vulnerable mums out there across the um, Toronto area are getting the packages that they need to help feed and clothe their babies. So I am just in awe of the things that they are doing and I love their products, but even more so right now where you need to make things last a little longer. I'm so glad that their absorbency levels are incredible and that particularly with having children with incredibly sensitive skin, that they keep them dry and I haven't had one single issue with diaper rash since switching to them. I think they're an incredible brand. I think what the thing, the things that they're doing to support mums at the moment is also incredible. If you want to give them a try, you can find them at Walmart in Canada and Tesco's in the UK. You can also follow them at Rascal and Friends on Instagram and get all their latest updates. So before we get into this episode, I want to say thank you to everybody who's participated and taken the time. I know how difficult it is at the moment. I hope this creates a lighthearted distraction for you all and I hope you enjoy listening. So um, yeah, happy listening. Okay, so... um, I was just saying to Louise, who is this week's guest, I feel like I need to note the date. I don't even know what the day of the week is. To be oh, God knows. <laughs> it's about three weeks into quarantine. Um, it's March the 97th, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to say like April 5th as a guest. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, we were just chatting um, and saying how it just seems really timely that we're talking now when we get into some of your answers and your story and stuff yeah um and it's like you have so much time now but then also no time at all all at the same Mm. time because um no one ever gets a second to themselves but anyway we'll come back to that uh first of all I wanted to say thank you so much for like sparing what little free time you no doubt have (laughs) and being pregnant in a pandemic yeah just insane like I can't I can't even fathom it and I'm obviously on the other side and even just having a small baby I really really feel for you having to go through that so I just wanted to acknowledge that before we get into it but yeah tell us a little bit about who you are before this obviously I follow you on Instagram you're sort of part of the lost community network that I think Hmm. so many people that I've sort of met through Instagram I suppose um virtually and apparently that's the only way people communicate now anyway so yes. <laughs> that makes us like official <laughs> friends and you live in England so I just note that as well because like I feel like half of my listeners are English and half are Canadian a bit like me I guess so anyway tell us about uh, tell us about who Louise was before this so um 
before I was I was blogging and I had the Instagram account to talk about baby loss and, and being a mum um I used to be a social worker in child protection and I was always thinking if I was going to be a mum and have children I didn't want to be doing that as a job um with young children I'm not sure how familiar you are with, with the job but it's very fast paced and demanding and you have to respond to emergencies a lot and a lot of the time I'd see mums coming back from maternity leave and they'd never see their own kids. They'd be sorting out other families. Yeah, I've, emergencies. I've, 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 <laughs> um, so. You don't spend any time with your own family trying no. to help other families. No, I just, I just, I mean, I'm in a lucky position where we could do that because of our, you know, our situation at home and my husband's work, etc. But I always vowed to never go and do that as mm-hmm. a new mum. So that was me before. So it was more about work side of things rather than, uh, motherhood but yeah just how I described myself before was I think probably a lot more selfish a lot more um emotional letting things get to me more um I think since being a mum you just really don't sweat the small stuff and you just mm. really realize what's important what matters and the things I look back on now that I used to get you know pent up about to me it's laughable now because you just think oh, oh god that just did not matter so and then yeah, that, that's, that's me in summary really the social worker who got upset about a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit that's a bit of a summary yeah <laughs> no I, I saw that you put I don't know what answer it was that you like to go out a lot and that you you like basically like to be at a club till whatever time um yeah and and I can obviously relate to that it just seems like so long ago but yeah Going back to your point about don't sweat the small stuff, don't you think we've been forced to do that even more now? So no doubt you've taken that on to an extra level with being locked inside your house pretty much in quarantine now. So um, that really resonated with me. I also like what you put about saying, I definitely look back and prefer this version of me. Yeah, massively. And I mean, I mean that in terms of not just being a mum, but from from what I've learned from the loss as well. So I've done. I love to talk, 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 talk. Hence being on a podcast. But um, <laughs> um, I used a counsellor quite a lot after everything that we'd been through, and that's the way I process things and and make sense of things. And something that came out of that was out of every loss there's a gain so she said what do you think you've gained from this? And I could list so many things. And obviously you'd, you'd take about what has happened. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what you've what you've learned about yourself, you know, I, I'd much prefer Louise today than I did before before that. Even though you wouldn't want that event to happen again, so yeah. But I, yeah. I think everybody, I, I completely agree with that. Like I look back and cringe on things I said in the past. I mean, maybe everybody does that, but I definitely think that I've gained things from all the bad things that happened to me. And I'm sure we'll come out of quarantine and all feel like we've gained something, even if we can't even if it's hard to see it now, like I think it's sort of set me personally in good stead for dealing with anything to do with grief or stress or whatever else. Yeah, I hope so. I think if you come out of this a better person, you've done it right. I think, you know, everybody's saying, you know, learn Spanish and um, learn how to cook banana bread and do yoga. And I'm just thinking, that's all wonderful, but a lot of us have less time. I think for me, the main thing is, learn how to be a better person if you come out of it with better values and a better outlook on life that's that's the victory not not how much yoga you've done yeah <laughs> wonderful no, as yoga I, is yeah <laughs> I so agree because I think we all need to take stock and maybe be kinder to ourselves or kinder to other people or a bit of both but before before um we get further into your story I know you just touched on the fact that you've had a loss and that's and you've sort of uh, started your own blog and Instagram account to sort of help yeah. with that. So you're pregnant now, and this is I your am. third pregnancy, or this is second. Yeah. So the first pregnancy was a twin pregnancy with with right. a loss of one baby, and this is the second pregnancy uh, with one baby. Yeah. So you tell us. So you've got Ava, and you lost her twin essentially. Yeah. So Eva is coming up to about well, she's two and a bit two and a half I, I sometimes struggle to say how old she is because she was premature so you have to work out um how many months she was corrected but yeah we had um, a twin pregnancy we found out really early and pretty much from week 12 scan through to losing the other baby at about 27 28 weeks it was it was weekly drama and trauma of we don't know if both of them will be okay 
Um, so that's a lot of weeks, obviously, to keep going and getting checked at specialist hospitals. And um, it was never, ever good for the entire pregnancy until it was looking okay. Um, and we thought we were going to get there. And then the next scan, there was no heartbeat for one of the babies. So that meant that Eva had to come out. Um, mm -hmm. I, I hung on for about 10 days afterwards, because obviously you have to still try and carry um, Eva to get her out safe. Um, mm -hmm. And that was a that was a C-section. And she came out at just under 29 weeks. She was a day short. Wow. And she stayed in the NICU uh, for nine weeks until we got home. She came home two days before Christmas. So and that's, that was our journey. That's such a long time. I feel yeah. like having a baby who's just about to turn three months, that's like almost her whole life, which yeah. seems like a long time. Um, yeah. What, oh, one second, I've just got speak of the devil. No problem. To join me. <laughs> we run. Oh. <laughs> um, Oh, I forgot you can see her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. So, uh, right, so just to backtrack a little bit, um, you said in one of your answers that there just wasn't any, I was going to ask you what the highs and the lows were. Yeah. Like a catalogue of lows, but you said there just weren't any highs and that's just, that's just the truth of it. Um, so what happened in terms of, um, like at what point did you find out that things may may not be going well and um how how and why did you find that out so early um it was week it was just the, the general 12 week scan that anybody would have um and we knew but we knew it was twins before that but right. at, the tw at the 12 week one they mentioned that one was a little bit smaller than the other and had less fluid than the other and then we went through to a consultation room where they explained that it looked like it was something called um twin to twin transfusion syndrome which is where one baby takes too much from the other mm. so they were sharing a placenta so there's di I didn't know any of this but the, before I was pregnant but there's different types of twin pregnancies um, and ours was one where they share a placenta and ideally they have their own you know so they've got their own resources of blood and nutrients whereas they were kind of battling between one placenta so they said it's likely that one of them will lose the battle um so to speak so but and as the weeks went on it sometimes looked okay it sometimes looked like it wasn't okay so you were just sort of you were essentially sort of tortured through it every week thinking oh, it might be okay this time or oh no it's gone again or it's gone uneven and every now and again they'd even out and then you know it was it was really tough really tough yeah that's, that does sound really tough and also yeah. it's like you want to will your children to both survive but you know yeah that there's less likelihood in that situation where they're both using the same resources as you said. You know, I hadn't heard of that before. That, no, uh, I hadn't. <laughs> is but it common then that they share a placenta? It can be. They can either just have their own sacs and their own placentas, or they can, you know, be sharing placentas, or they can. It, it's all there's, there's three different types, and I think we were sort of like the middle risk. But not no twin pregnancy is is safe or it's not really biologically meant to happen as humans we're meant to carry just one child at a time um so they're always quite risky yeah um anything that's multiple um but yeah it was it it was you know dragged along every week and and then it finally came to a head at, at the 27 28 week mark mm -hmm. um but yeah it was it was just really rough I mean for your first pregnancy as well where you you know you're going into that unknown anyway yeah not um like sadness and terror in the mm. yeah and, and when you did find out you'd lost the baby like how how does that process play out like you have to obviously wait long enough for the other one to be okay or they just wanted you to hang on for as long as possible um which right. we managed another 10 days after that mm. um and the thing that things started to go wrong I started to bleed and needed to go back to hospital and it turned out I was going into labor so I have actually experienced contractions I think a lot of people think because she was so premature either that I've not had a, any kind of feelings of normal birth and that that was the one sort of normal thing I probably managed to take from it was the feelings of contractions mm -hmm. um but yeah yeah it was just I think there's other than the actual loss itself of loss in that type of pregnancy because it's there's a lot of it's taken off you like that normal happy pregnancy that you yeah. envisioned and um, there's a lot of losses in itself and then once Eva was born that's a loss again of I can't just take my baby home or I can't just you know start a family how you kind of should do and I use should in inverted commas because 
that's what makes you so angry I think like what should be happening and it isn't so there's I hadn't really thought about like how many layers there is to that oh yeah you're meant to be you've kind of lost the joy of your pregnancy and Mm -hmm. going through like week by week grief of like will it won't it be okay yeah and then even when you lose your baby you're sort of simultaneously trying to hold on to another one and birth them and obviously that's a big I don't know it's just such it's just such two such conflicting events yeah you see yeah. your answers um and how did you manage sort of like the joy of having a baby and then the sadness of losing another how did you manage that it's a strange thing to say but I was actually I can remember being buzzing after the c-section even though one baby wasn't with us mm-hmm. um just because of the relief of that pregnancy ending Mm-hmm. Um, even though there was so much uncertainty about whether Eve would even come home because of how early she was and whether she'd be okay. Just that feeling of the pregnancy isn't in my body anymore. Like I'm free of that pregnancy and I could just feel this release. Like almost like, oh, I've done my bit. I've done the best I can to keep. Yeah, keep I can it. do no more. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, there was lots of little highs of, you know, things that Eva would achieve. Like she'd put a bit of weight on or she'd get, they have different rooms according to, if they're closer to coming home, they'll go from intensive care to sort of less, less so, you know, and they'll go to a nursery before the end, before you're coming home and little things like that. You can sort of see the transition of things improving and that's what kept you going really. Um, but it was hard. It was hard because you're in limbo. It's not real life. Um, your life can't properly start as a family until they're home. Did you feel like when you actually left the hospital that you had like that newborn experience? I mean, I guess you've got nothing to compare it to, but mm. you feel like you got to enjoy that part when you came home? And Once she was home, yeah, it just felt like normal. Um, well, what, what I've been told is normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I can remember calling a friend who's, who's been through the same as myself. She lost um, one boy in her twin pregnancy mm-hmm. um and I said am I miserable and tired because of grief or because I'm a mom and she said trust me it's because you're a mom yeah. and that was weirdly reassuring because I just thought am I oh am I unhappy and crying and finding this hard and if if there was two babies home with me would I be skipping through the meadows with bluebirds around my head and she said no she said trust me this is hard because it's hard yeah. because you're a mom to a baby so that was strangely reassuring in a way but yeah it was it was the normal chaos sleep deprived bodily fluids everywhere like any new mum has so yeah yeah, that was that was some comfort to just get that little bit back yeah yeah I um I think it's funny because obviously having had now birthed four children but she's my third at home it's funny listening to you say that because I've kind of thought that this time I could like override things because like, oh, I've done this before like yeah yes tired I'll know what to do and there just is there some things that there's no escaping really <laughs> like that newborn tiredness and yeah just like flashes of like feeling really happy and then feeling really miserable and yeah not really feeling in control of your emotions um yeah and no, I I think that's it's it's good to have someone though that who can who's been through what you've been through and can kind of give you markers of what, um, you know, what's normal and what's not, I suppose. Yeah. And it was such a, it's such a complicated grief and loss as well. Um, mm. Because like you say, there's, you, you're happy, but you're also sad. So it's, yeah. it was really good to find someone that could help you navigate through that. Yeah. Cause that's very specific, I think. And my yeah. Yeah. On right word, but they're not, experiencing part of what they've lost at simultaneously because mm. I think a lot of people get that that delayed grief where they have a baby afterwards perhaps and you sort of start to realize like how much that you've lost yeah you know, yeah all in one go which is just must have been like a complete mm. well head fuck for a bit of a one yeah of- definitely <laughs> but then you you look back I mean that's like I say Eva's now two and a half Mm-hmm. And you look back and I, I was recently looking through like old journals and diaries because I just write everything down that I'm feeling and even old blog posts and Instagram posts. Uh, it's like it's someone else that's talking sometimes and you can just sort of see how I was really trying desperately to process and understand it. And I just feel yeah. it, it, it's so cheesy, but time is a healer. Um, it it doesn't make the emotions go away, but I think it, you can really manage them a lot better the more that time passes and you can just because it is so complicated at first you think I'm never gonna be able to get get my head around how these feelings are coming 
but you do um even when it's a strange and complicated grief like we've had yeah and so was your you said you had an emergency c-section was that because you started hemorrhaging and you had to yeah yeah which i'm assuming you know what what had happened in my body Mm-hmm. 10 days before I think my body was just thinking oh okay this needs to stop so it, I was I was going into labor because I was con- having contractions as well as hemorrhaging um right, so, so that's that's what the, yeah labor as such but your body just wasn't responding mm. yeah, well not not responding but your body is basically like in a state of panic as well I yeah suppose. yeah and what helped you at your worst when you when you was in the NICU like what was the biggest help to sort of keep you going well, like I said, I'm a talker, so even in that state, when you're not yourself, um, yeah. I just talked, and the, the NICU nurses are absolute angels. I, I can't say enough about them. They just, obviously, they do the practical medical care for baby, but their emotional support is just unbelievable because you are just floating around that ward like a ghost, you know, like a shell of yourself, and they, they just they literally scrape you up off the floor and they give you cuddles, and they let you cry, and they're just fantastic, so they were a massive, massive help. You also are given a bereavement midwife who will support you if you want to have a chat about anything, and she can support you through any, you know, formal arrangements of of the baby that we'd lost. You know, she'll signpost you onto different things, but the lady that I was talking to you about who had the same situation as me, um, Mm -hmm. I actually found her through a twin charity, a bereavement mentoring service, um so she I would say other than you you know your family and your husband she she would be definitely the main person that's got me through this emotionally so mm-hmm. just the, any advice I would give to anybody is, is just talk just find somebody who gets it um because finding people that had had a loss for me was evidence that you could be okay because there were people that had got through it and were living happy lives and that's all you need to know like it, I was obsessed with needing to know you can be okay at the other side of it yeah and dealing with a newborn and being in the NICU at the same time must have yeah that's that's just such a lot to process and I was just thinking about this now like it's I feel so not sorry for you but I feel so sad that you're in this situation where like now you should be able to enjoy a pregnancy <laughs> yeah you yeah know, it's a little bit like oh come on universe come on yeah, like I deserve this because it was going fine until the pandemic swept but yeah yeah I know it's not ideal no but I don't know I feel like all these babies being born in 2020 are just gonna have one really epic birth stories and two, yeah like all of their parents are going to be like sort of the most resilient like (laughs) strong humans ever yeah well if anything what's happened is is prepared us for it I think well you can only be shell-shocked by something once do you know what I mean you know you can only be upset that a pregnancy has not been a fairy tale once and I wasn't going into this second pregnancy expecting that because you kind of a little bit more cynical and just a bit more realistic maybe about what it'll bring yeah Um, so I wasn't away with the fairies up until COVID-19 took over the world. <laughs> um, I was just sort of plodding on with it. And, but then when it came, I just thought, oh, come on, we were nearly there. <laughs> we nearly made it to a normal, but we, we're never going to be normal, clearly. The universe just doesn't want me to have um, a run-of-the-mill pregnancy or baby, but hey, that's life. Um, and how are you feeling about, about that? Like, how are you feeling about your upcoming birth? How many weeks are you now? I am 35 I've just gone past 35 by a couple of days so we are in the discussion bit of what do you want to do but it's so hard to plan around a pandemic because you don't know what yeah I don't know what's what's going on with you in Canada at the minute but with us we're on we're on lockdown completely um and there are worries that some women are having to give birth alone yeah um there's at the minute we're not allowed well it's ideally go to a scan on your own um have one birth partner and no visitors on the postnatal ward so I would be sat there with my baby next to me um with no one there so we don't know if that's going to change we don't know if it's going to get stricter um you know we don't know if I'm when I'm going to go into labor naturally or if I don't I'll have to have a c-section or be induced um by that point things might have changed so it's just so hard to to make any kind of plan really yeah because it's not really in your hands anymore it's not really about what you want at that point no and I think that must be so hard 
to sort of come to terms with on top of like let's face it we all know that you can make the best plans and have to adapt oh, yeah. Them, yeah. but to not really know all the eventualities of how they could play out in terms of what you are and aren't allowed and you know I've done hypnobirthing and all that kind of thing mm -hmm. and it's very much like pushing back on things unless they're unnecessary but this is just a power bigger than all of us like yeah no longer about birth plans or mums it's like about you know everyone's health and stuff mm -hmm. so I think that just must be really hard but just to share something positive with you I had a very dear friend of mine she had a baby on Friday and she had a home birth and she it was everything that she wanted to be and although I know that things may have changed since then she had a pool and all of the rest of it and I think some of the regulations are changing on the daily but it did kind of make me think for a second like if you can kind of get your head into a good place that you still might be able to claw something back from what you want or to still be able to be okay with the experience anyway I don't know if that's helpful at all but no it is I mean and I'm hearing a lot of other people that are, are having positive experiences because I think just because this is happening it doesn't take away the warmth and the care that mid midwives are giving and maternity staff are giving yeah and you, st you know women are still getting that I've not heard one story where oh nobody cares and everyone's running around like a headless chicken or you know I was left on my own I've not heard one story I've just heard positivity and that people are mucking in and making sure that as little like you've just said is taken away from you as possible yeah um, but I think for me like because of what happened last time the fact that I'm even sat here talking to you at 35 weeks to me is is a win anyway because right. I've never been this pregnant wow. so you know so the most pregnant I've ever been is 29 weeks so I, I've won anyway do you know what I mean and it's it's I'm not letting the coronavirus take that away from me and a good attitude to have though yeah and just getting that baby home full term that's a victory so the fairy tale birth for me wasn't really on my top you know my agenda anyway at the top of the list it was getting that baby safely to you yeah which we're looking I'm touching wood now and um, we're looking <laughs> it's, it's all right you know we, we are getting there hopefully so well, good for you for having such a great outlook and attitude towards it. Um, I think that'll obviously st stand you in good stead. And ultimately, I think anyone who's experienced a loss prior to um, having a baby or in your way more complicated situation, I think that ends up being your end goal. Like I've always yeah. been like, oh, I'd love this to happen or that to happen or I want to be in the water or you mm. know, whatever. But then ultimately when it comes down to it and you start to labour, you're just like, that just becomes the only thing that really matters. Oh, sorry, am I boring you? She's like, you're <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think if you have the right mindset that hopefully it, it, will, it will come through that you have a good experience this time. But my God, you're definitely... You should be so proud of yourself after all this to, to oh, out the other side. Seriously, <laughs> before a pandemic, baby, goodness me! I just think every woman who gives birth this year should be given like some sort of like hero medal, like, <laughs> you know, like you're giving birth under unprecedented times. Yeah, potentially on your own or with one support person, or yeah, you know whatever it ends up yeah. being um, for each person individually. Um, I think a lot of the time though there's you know these situations throw themselves at you and you think I can't do it I can't do it I can remember being told recently that I needed to go to a scan on my own and obviously for me um, because of our story we had weekly scans and a scan for me is traumatic and it's it doesn't represent anything happy um, so I just burst into tears and like, I can't do it I can't do it and I did it I've, ju I've just done it a couple of weeks ago yeah you know and it, you can do it you, you just you don't know how strong you are until you have to do something. It's so true, actually. I was saying this to my mum the other day. So when I found out I was pregnant with her, it was it was pretty traumatic and stressful because I was I had like a re I had like a four month old baby. Mm -hmm. and I was, oh my god, I can't do it! And my mum had booked to come out to help me, and I was like, "There's no way I can have like well, what I thought was going to be a toddler in um, my son in daycare." you know like a one-year-old at home and a newborn I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to do that and now I'm literally doing it all on my yeah. own <laughs> no, yeah. no family here 
obviously my husband's at home because he's working from home but yeah he's doing a job and yeah he's only really there if I'm like screaming up the stairs or something (laughs) or something's on fire (laughs) yeah the evening um yeah I'm I'm doing it and if you'd have told me this a year ago it would have been like yeah my not my it sounds horrible to say like my worst nightmare but my biggest fear was I wouldn't be able to cope and I wouldn't be able Mm -hmm. to do enough job and I'm like kind of at this point proud of myself that I'm like do you know what I can look after three kids yeah. if they're yeah. three and a half like I, I can do it maybe not doing the best ever job but I can do it you know so as long as everybody's fed and nothing you know got set alight yeah. accidentally I think you've done fine by the end of the day uh, I mean Cub has a few um wounds should I say and <laughs> Cody has a few where Cub has bitten him but you know nothing <laughs> We've got lots of unidentified injuries on Eva's head. You know, like when the egg comes out, when they've had a bump, I've no idea. And there's grazers. And I just think, what, quarantine is just, I don't know what's going to go on here. Yeah, but we'll we'll get through so, it. And what's your situation? Are you, you're obviously like coming close to maternity leave. Are you, you're both working from home or? Yeah, I mean, my job involves working from home anyway. Um, I work as a, a children's advocate, so kids that are in, care or have a social worker I kind of represent them in meetings or if they're having issues with social workers that's what I do now so I can do that from home um, and then I'll, I'll go out into the community obviously not now um yeah. so I'm not down but yeah that's what I did do um, and I was I finished on Friday this week so I'm officially on that leave anyway but that was a mainly working from home job anyway so yeah. I've not really felt the shift that much um but my husband worked in an office in recruitment um and he's now doing it from our kitchen table and we had to have like a sit down marital discussion I hadn't come so anal with this I had a notepad and a list and a pen and we uh, had had it like a business meeting of how are we going to survive together and coexist because you need to work but we need to live in the house around you Mm -hmm. um so we had to plan it out and it sounds a little bit geeky but it worked really well so I'd recommend that to any I imagine there's a lot of spouses at the minute that are there's tension <laughs> tension in the camp um so I would recommend the list and planning I feel really lucky that we're both we're not both working like me being mm. like a huge blessing even if it means I've got three for the majority of the day but <laughs> my husband's working on my vanity Ikea unit which is just funny because he's staring in the mirror and at three screens at the same time um but yeah it's a similar thing I think you have to communicate and we've gone back to like 50s housewives where yes I'm basically, you know, yeah, we've like got really defined, quite archaic roles, but yeah, working okay. And I think like, yeah, communicate what you need. And he needs to be upstairs because we can't not make noise. And he's exactly kitchen table. Um, and we try and get outside in the garden as much as possible. But um, it's interesting just to see what this situation has thrown up for family life, really um but yeah going back to the questions um what was I gonna say um what would what advice would you give anyone who's like following a similar path to you who perhaps has had um the loss a recent loss of a multiple I think if if you're just starting that journey I would if if I could go back and tell myself Mm -hmm. you know anything it would be that you will be happy I feel like uh, your, I was saying at the beginning, your answer to this is is pretty brilliant. <laughs> what was your, what's, what is your like biggest mum fail or motherhood moment that's made you that sticks out that's made you laugh the most? Sorry, that took me ages to get that question out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, having just reread your answer, I was like, oh my god, this is like priceless premonition. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It was it was like the, the hottest day on record or something ridiculous. It was a bank holiday Monday and I was feeling particularly sort of proactive. Going, oh, no, let's go. Let's have a great family day out. And I, I don't know if uh, your husband is similar, um, but it takes a lot to get them out yes. and motivate it. Yes. <laughs> um, rather than just sort of hanging about in the garden or whatever, if it's nice. Yeah, he's good at being motivated, but like the physically leaving, he'll be like, I can be ready in yeah. five minutes. And I'm like, you haven't even showered. You definitely <laughs> It's definitely not going to happen. No. Um, but yeah, there was, there was this, um, it's like a, a really stunning natural beach yeah, that's that's been kept by the National Trust. Um, and we've never been before. It's near Liverpool Way. 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't do any research, which is a downfall. So, you know, like all these super mums that you see organising everything in the backpack and the car's fully packed well and they've got up at the crack of dawn and, yeah. and you know, there's petrol in the car, everything like none of that had happened. We just decided to go on the morning and got in the car like hours later after deciding and we got there and it was it was honestly like you're laughing at the premonition of this it was apocalyptic like it was like you know um is it independence day the will smith oh yeah i was gonna say there's cars 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 and cars and cars and like barking dogs and it was it was it was mental and you couldn't even get to the car park and there was all these queues through the streets as if the world was ending and I looked on my phone um, and Googled the place we were going and it had a big red warning of please do not come unless, you know, it, you, you absolutely have to or um, <laughs> we're, not able to, we're not able to sort of take capacity of the amount of visitors today because it's an unprecedentedly hot day and please don't. It was essentially asking you not to come and I thought, we're here now, I can see the beach. That we have to do it. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I, can, I can see, I just can't get to it. And we gave up the car part and we just dumped the car in a random street and treks to the beach and we took the wrong route to the beach and it was really extreme sort of sand dunes really steep and and we've got one of those massive bulky silver cross prams it wasn't even like a little nice nippy buggy it was so I had either on my hip I had all these random bags and then Adam my husband was dragging I love tank, tank of a pram through the sands so yeah a tank of a pram through sand dunes yeah that's not easy he's a big man as well and he was he's strong and he was sweating I thought he's going to collapse at some point and um you come over the hill and you can look down there's just all this beach and all these lovely people there and you think oh right how, how have you this can't possibly the way be the way to the beach because we were exhausted and you know, we got there and I thought, I've not actually brought anything because I just assumed, <laughs> I assumed it would be like, a, a, you know, a seaside town resort. But it was this barren, natural beach. Um, so I thought, oh, there's no shops. There's no food. And I'd just gone there assuming we could buy things and there was nothing there. It was just, <laughs> it was just sand and water. Um, so a, a local, well, a nearby family took pity on us and donated us some biscuits. So that was Eva's lunch some bourbon biscuits um and there was a few Ritz crackers left in my handbag from whatever the last didn't have a sun hat for her I'd forgotten to bring a sun hat so I fashioned a she looked like Tupac the rapper fashioned a little hat out of a muslin cloth and a hair bobble um and that was it and I don't know how we didn't fall out me and my husband that day it was one of those where you look back and you think how did that not end in divorce because he was pissed <laughs> so you're both like right I'm not going to say anything because this is ridiculous oh, no it's like, don't say it because the first person that says it, it will erupt so yeah we got through it and it was nice because it was like her first little paddle on the beach and um, it's a funny memory but that everything about that was technically a mum fail but I didn't beat myself up I just sort of laughed and had a nice day but you could have flipped that really negatively and just thought oh, that was a complete disaster something. yeah yeah but no, I think it's hard got- to do that sometimes I think like not not be hard on yourself when things go wrong but you just had to take that for what it was um it's funny you saying about um the beach because like I live in Canada but close to well the area I live in is called the beach but again it's like um well it's a, a lake and not the sea and uh, although it's a beach there's like no shops there and it's very much like yeah. you go down there when you're not in quarantine you just be like, <laughs> will that be? Yeah. Um, but when I first had Bodie, my sister had come out and we'd gone to the beach to meet some work friends who, who all don't have children. And we'd dragged the pram across the sand. And you know, when you have them in the bassinet, so they're not strapped in. Mm. It was a newborn and we'd like dragged it across the sand, as you can imagine, which was just yeah there we unlike unput the visor thing down to show people and he wasn't in it well he he slid to the bottom because he was a newborn so I unveiled it to be like hey look at my baby and yeah where is it literally were like where is he because I thought you were going to tell me that he'd bounced out 
Well, no, because I was thinking, well, we was tipping it back quite far, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously he would just slid down and it was fine. But yeah, I was like, oh my God, like this is such a rookie error. Like, what was I thinking? Like, he's like one week old. I'm on a beach and there's like nothing here. In the middle of nowhere, I hadn't bought him a hat either. So we sat under my sister's umbrella in the sun being like, what are we doing? Um, but yeah, that just really reminded me of that way. Like, no, the show will go on. We will yes, go. we are on a beach. We're having a family day out on the beach. It's happening. Yeah, we said we'd come here. And yeah, we'd... it's happening. And I know we've already talked about this, um, but what would your piece of advice you'd give to yourself pre-kids? I know that you said don't sweat the small stuff, but um, do you still feel like, do you still feel like that's the biggest thing you'd tell yourself? Yeah, definitely. Because I just, I look back on me before being a mum and I used to get so, just so worried or insecure about what people thought. Um, or I'd get stressed about things that might not matter. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a lot more, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't describe myself as an easygoing person, but in comparison to before, mm-hmm. I am very, <laughs> it's, it's a lot more uh, laid back than I used to be. Um, it's hard to give examples really just just things like you know if you had plans with friends or something you get really worried about what you were wearing or what you looked like for it or and now I just I'm just happy to be out having fun um so I'd say I'd be a lot less vain it's more about what the experience is that I'm doing um but yeah definitely just just let it go would be my advice just just let it go just enjoy Um, because I I think you can you can take a lot of joy from things Oh, hundred percent. Especially you can when ruin you, things for yourself. Especially when you have kids and you see it through their eyes. I think that's a really good point. Mm. And I think now, just everyone being trapped at home, I would normally be like, "Oh, I'm doing a call with someone. I'll put some makeup on. Like, I want to feel nice." And now I'm like, "Yeah." The important thing is that I get on the call when I do the podcast because that's what I enjoy. Like, yeah. If I can only manage one, who cares if I look nice? You know, as where I think it's easy. Yeah. To get caught up in things um, sometimes. I also loved your answer to this next question because I feel like this is so timely as well. Um, if you had one day without kids where you could do anything you want with, uh, with oh my god, where you could do anything that you wanted, what would it be? So when I answer this, it, it, I wondered if this would change now because of what's going on, but I don't think it has done, which is weird. So my initial automatic answer was just to be on my own, which sounds really selfish and antisocial. Um, and it sounds weird at the minute because we're being forced to be antisocial. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, my answer would be just to be on my own because what I've learned most about being a mum is that you, you're always tired and you're never on your own. Yeah. Um, so I just think if, even if you're in the house and they're having a nap, you're still conscious of when are they going to wake up? What can I get done in this nap time and things like that? And you, mm-hmm. you're still a mum in your head, aren't you? You can't switch it off. Yeah. Um, so I would use that day just to be by myself. Um, just to go to a hotel or a spa and read a book and have a glass of wine and I'd switch my phone off and just you know go for a walk by myself or something like that which is a bit weird because at the minute you're kind of being forced to be on your own in terms of not being with friends and family um, but yeah I just think I'm, I really miss that I, I miss that uh, from before I was a mum just just being just with you without having to worry who needs feeding or who's waking up or anything like that um yeah personal space yeah yeah but it sounds really miserable because you just think you know I think a lot of people might answer that question of oh I'd go out with my mum for the day shopping or I'd go and do this or I'd meet my friends for lunch and I just kind of just leave me alone for 24 hours when I was reading your answers what you said about like you can always make time you always make time to see other people or yeah go out with your mum or catch up yeah. on a day or something like that but you never take a day out just to be with yourself because yeah it's almost like you either think of it as selfish or we all we never put our, ourselves first and I think mm-hmm. that's such a good point I think um, you don't really value it like you don't value time mm-hmm. on your own and I think once you have it you think oh this is nice and you realize it's like a light bulb moment you need it like we, as, as humans we, we obviously need social interaction but we need to be on our own sometimes as well just to clear our heads mm-hmm. um, and I find that really hard to get when you're a mum so yeah if I had that day that's how I'd use it 
yeah, when I was reading it and you were saying I'd go, you said here, I'll go on a walk, listen to a podcast, have a coffee, cake, mm. sit and read a book in a nice hotel and switch off my phone. I was like, oh my God, I'm like salivating. It's <laughs> not <laughs> dirty to me. Yeah, it seems so far <laughs> away from like what we can do now. And I think um, I was actually going to add the question in the podcast for the short term about what are people missing most um, being in quarantine? But mm. I feel like that is personally for me what you've listed is all the things I miss like I can get enough social I mean obviously you miss friends and family but I feel yeah. like I can get an, a piece of that from FaceTime and yeah and, and things and social media and whatever but you can't get full or if you have kids at least you can't get that full um time on your own because you're in the house you can always hear them or mm-hmm. in my case I'm like I'm always with at least one um, or actually asleep. So it's not the same. And your personal space becomes going back to what you said, like, although you've got all this time on your own, you're never actually on your own. No, almost like a weird feeling where you're like, I'm doing nothing. I'm on my own, but I'm actually never getting that sort of time out. Mm. Um, Is there anything else outside of sort of, I guess this is a similar question to you in this instance. Is there any sort of one thing you miss um, about not being able to go outside? I think for me, it's it's just being able to to get out and, and have the day with more variety in it. I think that's what I'm struggling with. So it, like we're in the house and we're keeping busy and there's, you know, the house is chaos because everybody's in it at the same time and we're using the garden um, and I have been going out for walks on my own you know, early in the morning or later at night if there's sort of less chance of people being around. Um, Me too. So I'm not really missing, it's more the difference of the day that you're missing. Yeah, you just, it's Groundhog Day, isn't it? Um, Essentially. I think when we look back, you'll see sort of like, like I'll I'll remember yesterday as a day we sat in the garden, even though it wasn't particularly warm here, we sat in the garden almost all day with coats on. Yeah. Um, and that seemed like an interesting day versus other things we've done. Yeah. And I know it's a really hot day for you guys at home today and it's pretty nice here too. Um, and I'm sure we'll like pick out points from it, but I think you're right about the variety. You can never be like, you, it almost seems silly to say, oh, what have you done today to someone? Because you know. Yeah. I'm finding it hard to keep in touch with people and friends and family because you think, it's not like you can say what have you been up to (laughs) there's nothing to say um so the first few sort of you know video calls I've had with family have been actually quite awkward you think I've got nothing to say there's no update like the world's still yeah and I think that conversation or at least we do with our family it's like oh what have you been up to and you catch up in that way yeah we're speaking on sort of like a every other day basis and I've got nothing to give no I've got nothing I don't know about you but I find it quite taxing to talk to people now it's almost as taxing as socializing was before because (laughs) you're tired and you're kind of mentally drained from the day and yeah you know the worry and no doubt even for yourself while you're pregnant and Mm -hmm. all of these other things that we have going on in our minds and dealing with our own mental health that sometimes just talking to someone is like too yeah yeah Sometimes it cheers you up and you need it. And sometimes you just need to switch off, don't you? Because it's lovely that we're all connecting. I think we are definitely, oh, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely talking to friends and family more often mm. since this has happened, which is lovely. But at the same time, you sometimes need to leave it. So I've, I've been leaving my phone upstairs for like massive chunks of the day sometimes recently just to clear my head. Yeah, um, and I think it's easier to um, interact with your children. I've I've found, I've tried to, give myself like a lot of times where I give them my attention as much as I can give three yeah. my attention um and then I'm like okay I'll answer all of my texts or all of my emails tonight or whenever yeah that's what I've been doing yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know it's gonna be a learning curve for us all I think whatever um however long we're gonna be in this for um, mm. history in the making it really is they're gonna be yeah. talking our kids are gonna be talking about us having done this I know I know I keep saying that I said you know kids of the future that will be in history classes will be writing essays about this and it just feels crazy um and do you know what you're having this time we don't we don't we've we thought we'd uh, it it did if I'm honest it started off as a self-preservation thing because I just thought if we don't find out 
I can, you know, put my brick wall and we don't give it a name or a gender. And, you know, it was, a, I was trying to be a bit hard faced with it, but I, I've warmed up. It's taken me 35 weeks, but I finally warmed up <laughs> to the fact that I'm having a baby. <laughs> um, but I think now it's shifted to the reason of, we just want a nice surprise. Um, yeah. Especially now and everything that's going on, it'd just be nice to have a surprise. And there's not a lot of nice surprises you get as an adult. The only surprises you get are, you know, parking tickets or... <laughs> You know, it's just there's nothing nice really, is there? When you, you know, yeah, 30, you 30 plus, it's all downhill. So it's yeah, it's just um, we just wanted something happy and surprising. So yeah, yeah, I, I will say that um, I I I feel like I got that surprise when I found out at 20 weeks. But yeah, in this unique scenario, it must be something to really focus your attention on the finish line. Yes, yeah, um, that 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 must be yeah, um, a nice thing to look forward to. Well, I have to say, I wish you all the best with thank you. you know, just getting through the next five weeks or yeah, more or less or however long it ends up being for you. But <sighs> also just the, the feat that is giving birth in a pandemic, like however great an outlook you have out, have on it, I think it has to be noted, like what a difficult time it is for women uh-huh. to um, be in this situation. And from talking to you, it, it sounds like you're going to do an incredible job, but oh, thank you, know, you so much. You have to really give yourself um, some grace and a pat on the back after all this, because seriously, <laughs> um, my hat goes off to you, and my heart goes out to anyone who's having to give birth through all this. So yeah, um, you'll have to report back. We'll do a sequel. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Tell us what it's like to give birth. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, thank you for taking your time to share your story and share your babies with us and yeah precious time when let's face it we have none and you could have spent this on your own having a cake and a coffee <laughs> that I'm not allowed in the cafe that I'm not allowed in yeah oh dear no it's been wonderful thank you so much for having me no um it's been a real pleasure you've reminded me like I need to take more time to do this because I really enjoy it um good <laughs> on top of um wanting to share people's stories I do really enjoy it so thank yeah. you yeah I'll be in touch so thank you so much take care lots of love please good luck bye 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 thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast it means a lot to me and all the guests involved because bearing your soul and Opening your heart to tell your birth story is sometimes a really difficult thing. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe and also enter this week's giveaway to a chance to win something fab just for yourself. Thanks for listening and allowing the guests of the podcast to have their voice and their story heard. Forever grateful, Franny.